Before we start, here's a message from one of our friends. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. show where people share their passions. Everyone has geeked about something. I'm a super dummy Paul on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era of Geek. Today's guest has a Kickstarter for their newest project live as we speak, so be sure to check that out when you have time. Here they tell us more about how they got started creating comics, their journey through geek culture and much more. So settle in and let's hear from another great guest. Hello, my name is Gabe Chang. I am a writer and self-publisher of comics, and also I host a podcast called Another Lousy Millennium, which is a Futurama fan podcast, which was, uh, we thought, dead for a while uh, as we went through all of the episodes, but now is coming back as Futurama is coming back. What's great about Futurama is that because it is science fiction parody and because it was always pretty good about tackling modern contemporary technology as parody um it's something that you feel like there's always going to be new um material for it to talk about and and basis is for great conflicts and great stories and great new characters and stuff so i mean it's uh i'm i'm excited very very excited for it to come back it was a show that i watched when uh was in middle school when it first came out and was first airing on Fox and followed it all through its uh, different incarnations but you know it is the golden age of podcasting and when I was thinking about what kind of podcast I would want to do um, and I was discussing it with my brother um, one of the things that came up was doing an episode by episode podcast about Futurama and um, to his credit he was very uh, encouraging about it to the, to the point where he, um, you know, despite the fact that he doesn't feel like he is a natural um, performer or entertainer or um, podcaster, he, you know, he wanted to be my co-host on it. And, and yeah, we, we started doing it one day in the garage of our stepmom's uh, house. And it became a, a really fun endeavor that was not just... Um, creatively very fun and challenging but also kind of personally brought him and I a lot closer um we were we were talking a lot more we were connecting on you know a lot of different uh, facets of our relationship that we hadn't before namely like we were doing a creative enterprise together we were talking about how do we make this product the best that we can possibly make it we were talking about what kind of podcast we like to listen to and what we want to see out of it and what our strengths were and how we can play into those. And, and then also learning kind of the, the business end of it and the, and a little bit of the tech end of it because he's a engineer. So, um, he would explain things to me and I would retain about five to 10% of, <laughs> of that information. Um, and, and the marketing of it and the, and the growth of it. And it's, it's been a really great experience, not just because of our love of Futurama and our, our love of, taking things too seriously um, and going deep, deep into things that, you know, were probably just a, a one-off joke in a writer's room somewhere who somebody, you know, put some random words together and, and made a joke and now has, you know, gets, uh, gets turned into to art that's sold at Comic-Cons and people get it tattooed on their bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and my brother and I have 30 minute conversations about it and record it and put it out into the world. Like it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, it's Futurama means very, very much to me, and um, the the podcast is was a great experience, and I'm I'm excited to get back into it. I had a bit of a, a tippy toe into your podcast, but I'm one of those terrible people that if I start listening to a podcast, I then have to go back to the beginning and listen to all of it. So 
Oh, that will take me a while. Don't. <laughs> Our first episodes were not great. We actually intentionally redid the the pilot episode because we were like, yeah, this this recording, um, we're yeah, we could do this better. <laughs> and then we did do it better. We felt better about it. Um, but yeah, the I. I, I don't even go back and listen to our original <laughs> podcast because I'm like, oh God, like what are we talking about? We're so unorganized and 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 I, I remember early on I was like, what could we possibly talk about for more than twenty six minutes? Because they're twenty three, twenty eight minute episodes. I was like, what could we possibly be talking about? And then towards the end we were struggling to um, to cut things down to under an hour. We would put out episodes that were an hour and a half or we would record for two and a half hours and be like, oh man, we got to cut some of this <laughs> stuff out. But where? Um, yeah, so that is to say that I think that, you know, it's the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour th- yeah. hours thing. I think that we got better about at podcasting on our first podcast. So It shows that it is a passion project for you guys. It's not something that you're doing because you want to, be rich and famous off of this podcast you're doing it because this is something you love and that comes across in it oh thank you yeah i mean it's something that we absolutely love it's a show that we have a a great amount of reference for uh reverence for um you know my brother um who has a tendency to talk in hyperbole um has said on multiple occasions uh while we were talking about certain episodes like this is the greatest example of this in science fiction at all period end of statement i'm like wow that is high praise for this show whether it's you know time travel or or quantum entanglement or um uh you know some other things that have come up but it's the mainly the time travel ones that that my brother really likes um it it is it it shows how near and dear it is to our hearts Mm. and there's a lot of and for me as a writer there's a lot of moments in there where like, this is, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's, I can say as definitively as he is like, this is the greatest joke in the history of man. I, you know, I say things like this is, this is a fundamental um, joke to me personally in my development as a writer, where I watched this things, these episodes in my formative years that very much informed my sense of humor. It very much informed um, the way that I like to receive and consume stories and, and, you know, a model for how I want to tell stories myself, specifically science fiction comedy, which is something that I've been, uh, I've been working on recently with my comics. So it's, it's something that, um, and, and honestly, like you don't really realize that, or I didn't really realize that until we were deeper into the show. And I was like, wow, this, this really did inform a lot of my sense of humor and really is a, a good um, a good benchmark, I would say, for what I want to do and how I want to develop my own voice as a writer because I'm not just trying to copy them and, and, um, and do exactly what they did. But when I think about my own writing and my own science fiction comedy writing specifically, I'm like, okay, like what would I love to see in an episode of Futurama that, and, and what is, how do I reach that standard? Um, and it's not the only thing I think about when I write, but it, it is like, wow, this, this show really meant a lot to me when I was very young. It, it still is funny to me. Um, it still represent a high, represents a high standard for storytelling and for comedy. And, and it's something that I, that I strive to do in my own work. Hmm. Yeah, there's no surprise that it managed to, well, I was going to say managed to go on as long as it did. Obviously, it's now coming back. So, I mean, even that speaks for itself. The It's natural as your writer to sort of say, would this, I guess in a way, would this fit in something that's been so successful? It's kind of a benchmark for yourself to say, would they accept this? Yeah, and you know, is this going to give me this, is this going to give somebody else the same joy, the same reaction that I got from watching my favorite episode of Futurama? And, you know, and, and I try not to externalize it too much and because it's what it comes down to is like, is this going to give me the same kind of joy and the same kind of reaction when I reread it four or five years from now, or even six months from now, where I'm like, 
yeah, I'm feeling really confident about this joke, or I really like the way that I did this story or this character, like, you know, um, uh, is it going to be the same as, as it is for watching a really good episode of Futurama? Is it going to hit all of those, um, hit, check all of those boxes, hit all of those beats? Um, because the, the show had its own style. It had its own rhythm. It had its own voice. And as I'm attempting to develop my own voice and, and, you know, uh, writing with, you know, yeah, essentially attempting to develop my own voice. I'm, I, I'm thinking about, yeah, you know, if my foundation is is being very entertained by Futurama, like, uh, you know, how do I write it my own way? What is the uh, what is the Futurama episode that I would like to see with with my perspective on the world and my thoughts about science fiction? And it's similar for um, another comic that I did. Um, it was a short story. Uh, my most recent comics are all short stories. Um, it was called Into the Wilderness, and I really sat down and thought about. Um, even though it, it was a, a comic about a, a man and a talking dog in the New Jersey forest, it, it really was an homage to Batman, the animated series where it's like, okay, this is kind of a vigilante story. This is a story about anger and revenge and justice. And, um, you know, how would, how do I write it in a way that is an homage to Batman, the animated series and a lot of other Batman fiction as well. Um, and, and so I, I, I do a lot of that in my writing where, you know, if I, I think about what I want to see, mm. you know, cause if I'm not, if I'm not writing a, a comic that I would want to read, then what, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, now I'm rambling at this point. <laughs> so but anyway, future arms great. <laughs> I love a ramble. They always say, like, if you're trying to create something, the first hurdle to jump is, would you enjoy it? If you're not going to enjoy it, no one else is going to enjoy it. Well, so what's the point? Because you've you've obviously not put your heart into it. It's, yeah. I think it's an interesting. It's interesting that you've kind of gone straight away to that. What makes me who I am? These things that have kind of formed you into the way you think. And so therefore it's natural to kind of go, this is what has to go into my work. And I think it's interesting that you've rather than immediately jumping in and saying, I need to do my own thing. I can't imitate anything. It sounds like you're sort of saying, embrace what I love and use that directly in my work. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because the thing is that I'm not a professional writer. Um, I, you know, I don't have a publisher. I don't have a, a, a book deal or anything like that. I've, I've only been a couple of times like paid for my work, um, by another entity. Everything else has all been Kickstarters. This has all been crowdfunding. Um, so it is as much of a creative decision and a, um, personal decision as it is an economical decision because it's like, I have to put up my own money to make this comic. Mm. I will only have time because I work full time at my day job. I will only have time on the weekends and at nights. And then, you know, and also like I need to spend that time with my girlfriend and my friends and my family. It's like, like there's only a certain amount of time that I can be spending on this. So I can realistically get maybe a, an issue of a longer form comic done, uh, in nine months and a short story comic done in six months. Cause I need to hire an artist. I need to pay for it up front. And then I need to spend months doing a Kickstarter, planning it, making graphics for it, writing copy for it, doing newsletters. And it's like, it is, it is taxing. It is time consuming. Um, and I'm, I'm doing it, uh, you know, just, just, um, for the most, I wouldn't, I don't like to say I'm doing it by myself because I do have, you know, great collaborators and, and really good supporters and really great friends. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm the one at the center of it. I'm the one that is, has it, uh, if it doesn't move forward, then if I don't do it, then it's not going to move forward. So coming from that perspective coming and then adding in everything you just said, like if I'm going to spend six months working on a comic, it's gotta be something that that I love and I'm passionate about. And that is something that maybe I've always wanted to see like my, my next comic, which is called crash lands is kind of like Futurama meets Mad Max, you know, like I've always loved 
both of those two worlds. So what would that look like when we, when we put that together in a science fiction comedy and, and when I was writing it and, you know, also when I'm thinking about how I'm writing all my other things, it's like, don't hold back, dude. Like if like, yeah, maybe I can, I can put up, I can make a sequel to this. And you know, the easy part is writing that script, but then it's another, like I said, like hiring an artist, six months worth of art, um, you know, three or four months setting up the Kickstarter, two weeks of, of real turmoil and anxiety of running that <laughs> Kickstarter while it's live, you know? Um, so if I have, I have 13 pages, um, this is what I can afford. This is the, the time frame that works for me. Put it all on the page, man. Don't, 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 uh, you know, don't save it up. If, if, uh, this has got to be, um, the best it's going to be. And yeah, it's a lot of pressure to do it. And, and I do get frustrated and I get writer's block and I wouldn't say that I'm the fastest writer either. So it took me a long time to write 13 pages, but at the end of the day, I'm very satisfied with it. Mm. And, and I've stopped other things too, because I'm like, you know what, this isn't, this isn't quite what I want. Um, I've written outlines for things and then realized that I'm not really in love with it. And, and for the same reason, because it's like, all right, I, I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to commit this amount of time to it and sacrifice this much for it, then it's got to be something that I love and something that is going to, um, I feel like be me moving, moving the needle, um, creatively and also be a challenge and something new that I'm, I'm forcing myself to improve because I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a mentor. I don't have a, a teacher. I don't have a professor telling me like, yeah, this is a, this is this good for this comic and you're improving on this way. It's, it's all just, it's all just me. And, um, so it's, it's also trying to get better every time I do it. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it is like you were saying, it is, it is all about, um, if I, if I don't love it, then, then why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's just me, <laughs> you know. It's just it's just Gabe Chan Comics, uh, my my DBA, and that's that's it. How did you get started then, writing comic books? Because, as you say, it is just you, and it's it is something that you've managed to make some success out of. Just the fact that you have multiple comics out there now. That is something that many people would just be looking at awe at the fact that you've managed to do that. So how, how did you get started in the process of actually writing comics yourself? Um, well, I've always written, um, even back when I was a kid, it was always kind of my way of expressing myself. Um, but the, the origins of the comic book thing that I do now kind of comes from after college, uh, I was working as a high school teacher. So during my summer breaks and spring breaks, I would spend my time writing screenplays and I would, um, some of them were original. Some of them were based on TV shows that, you know, that were on the air at the time. And I would send them off to these little, um, screenplay contests and, um, you know, some of them I would win. Most of them I didn't hear back from, and it was, it was uh, it was a fun exercise, but I never felt like it was. It was kind of scratching an itch that had always been in me, and it, it wasn't quite enough. Um, and you know, I, I enjoyed writing it, and there's the validation of somebody you know that you you send off the screenplay to a contest, you pay fifty bucks or something to enter, and you know somebody emails you back saying this is good. <laughs> it's it's second place. It's like, great. Um, there's that. And there's that fun validation to it, but at a certain point that's not enough. So, um, I have always wanted to work in entertainment. Um, and so after seven years of being a high school teacher, I decided to make a career change. Um, so I'm currently working in entertainment. I thought that I wanted to be a professional writer working on for TV, but, um, the trajectory of how things kind of went, um, I realized that I was kind of more interested in post-production um, as a as a career. So that's kind of the where I'm at now, which with le- which still left this desire to write. Um, so I was a couple of years ago having a conversation again with my brother about you know what should I do with my writing, and we were talking about a script 
for a movie that I had written. Um, and I was thinking about what I could do with it um, because I don't really have the social skills or the network to go out and pitch it as a movie. Um, and so I eventually came on, what if I turned it into a graphic novel? And again, my brother, who's a big supporter of mine, said very enthusiastically, you should do that. And so that uh, that screenplay was called For Molly, and it turned into um, my... It was originally going to be a webcomic. Um, I was publishing it on all the webcomic sites, but then uh, I, I did a Kickstarter for it, and I eventually realized, you know, I don't read webcomics, so why am I creating a webcomic? I, I read print comics, I read trade paperbacks, why, why, why aren't I creating that? So that's what it turned into. I started going to cons in Southern California, meeting a lot of people, kind of ingratiating myself and into the, the indie comics community. And I really like found an appreciation for it and found, uh, a, um, a love for it and like, and wanting to be in, in this world and wanting to participate in this because there was a lot of really great people telling a, a lot of really great stories and making a lot of really great art. And it's, and it was just impressive and fun and, you know, you're out here. And what's great about a comic book is that it is, um, it's like writing a movie with an unlimited budget. It is like, Hey, we're going to have, you know, in the example of my current one crash lands, it's like, well, there's a fish alien who crash lands on earth. Uh, she's, kind of greenish skin and she's got, you know, gills and long, uh, long ears and she's got blue hair and it's like, all right, well, you know, that's, that's a big special effect in a movie, but in a comic book, it's just changing the color of a person and it's in a Mad Max world and it's all desert and it's, uh, the, you know, very cool, um, vehicles and costumes and things like that. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's the same, uh, is the same budget as, as my other comic, the problem with parallels, which is about, parallel universe travels and each panel is a different parallel universe. It's just, you know, it's, so it's a, it's a movie with an unlimited budget. It's, and it's so much fun in that way where you really are, um, you know, you're constrained by, you don't have sound effects in motion, but there's ways to create sound. There's ways to create motion on the comic book page. And, and that's a, a very fun challenge. And there's, and, and it's just, there's no, um, I don't know. It's, it's a fun storytelling challenge. It's an incredibly fun storytelling challenge. Um, and, and so for all those reasons, I really fell in love with being, um, being in the indie comics community and, and it is. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I have been going the, the Kickstarter route, which is very difficult. Um, I haven't gone back and exhibited at any conventions since the pandemic. Um, but, you know, that's, these are all things that I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to do again and, and participate in again, because yeah, I just, uh, I mean, to, to answer your original question, like, you know, I just, I, I thought that, um, I thought about turning my, my screenplay into, a a graphic novel on a lark, but then really kind of just fell in, fell in love with the indie comics community and wanted, want still to be a part of it and to be, um, you know, to be, to be living in this world and playing in the sandbox and, and telling stories through this medium. It's a crazy sort of leap of faith in yourself and others to kind of just dive headfirst into it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was, um, it was scary. It was, um, not something that came naturally to me because I am a natural introvert. And so the idea of asking people to uh, support me um, on Kickstarter, asking people to even look at it was like really, really intimidating, um, you know? And, but not even to, you know, support it with money. It's like, give me money? Like, that's crazy to me as an introvert. I'm like, oh boy. Um, you know, and... And not only that, but For Molly is an incredibly personal story. Um, it's something that I wrote when I was going through a divorce, and there's a lot of me in the story in that way, and and my kind of 
working through those, those feelings that I had through it. So it's, so not only putting myself out there as far as the salesman of it, but like here also read this really personal story, um, that I'm taking very seriously. That's still, you know, an adventure action adventure about a talking dog. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot. Um, and, and then my, my second Kickstarter actually failed to, failed to fund, which was, incredibly demoralizing. Um, but even when that happened, I was determined that I wasn't going to stop because it was something that, that really meant a lot to me. Um, that really I wanted to see through and was something that I wanted to do for a very long time. Uh, you know, just because one, one attempt fails doesn't mean I'm going to throw my hands up at the whole endeavor. Like I, uh, even at that point, I, I knew that I wanted to continue doing comics. I wanted to continue. I had other stories to tell. I had other genres that I wanted to try, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an incredible emotional journey as much as that has been creative. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could, deal with it very well the stress of putting a kickstarter together on its own <laughs> is immense and then if you go through all of that and at the end of it you don't because for people who don't know for, with kickstarter if you don't get everything you don't get any of it i don't yeah. think my brain could deal with that i think i would <laughs> sign off the world at that point i'd be like no okay i'm getting a nine to five again bye <laughs> Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and I was having this conversation with my brother recently, uh, this podcast makes it sound like I only talk with one person, <laughs> but, um, I was having a conversation with my brother recently about how, um, people on Kickstarter and it's, again, this is totally natural. This is what I told him this is totally natural human psychology. Like people will not necessarily back a project that has not funded yet. So you could see a great thing on Kickstarter but if it still has a thousand dollars to go, you're like, uh, you know, I'll wait and see on this one because I'm not necessarily wanted to give my money to something that might not fund. Um, whereas people are much more likely to fund something that has to, or to, to contribute to something that has already funded. Um, it was, it's definitely a difficult lesson to learn as a Kickstarter creator, but it's like, it is a hard thing to, to account for and to, and to get over as a Kickstarter creator. Cause you're like, no, I, I, I like, I haven't made the goal yet. I, I need your help. <laughs> like, don't wait until I, I, I don't necessarily need your help anymore. <laughs> like yeah. I need your help now. Um, and, and you know, the comic is going to be the same, whether you give it, give the money now or give it in two weeks. Mm. So, um, so it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but it is, uh, for all of the challenges, it has been as rewarding and, um, it has been as, um, as, yeah, as rewarding as far as a learning experience and a creative experience. And as far as, uh, um, a connections experience with, uh, you know, we were talking about how I was connected to you through through Tony, another podcasting friend of ours, and I I only connected with Tony because I was talking to him about my other Kickstarter. So it's it is um you know it's a it's a human connection experience as well as as well as um you know a fundraising experience. And uh, but it is it is a it is a challenge, and each one is a new challenge because Kickstarter is a moving target where the way that I did my first campaign is not at all the way that I do my current campaign. Uh, I mean, they're both about comics, but like, um, things like, um, I, for my first couple campaigns, I did enamel pins and hmm. then I learned like, okay, this is more expensive to make a, um, and, it's more expensive to potentially ship and can damage what's in the box when you ship it. So you might need to ship it separately. Uh, um, so, uh, yes, you know, so it, it, you can do this and I definitely love enamel pins and the enamel pins that we created for the first two Kickstarters were amazing, but it's like, or you could do something that's totally flat and is not going <laughs> to damage the book when the box that it's in it, you know? Um, so things like that, uh, and, and other big things as well. Mm. It's, it's a challenge. It's a moving target. 
Yeah, I don't think people realize the sort of the strategy that has to go into something like Kickstarter. There's an impression that you create a project, you put it up there, da-da, it's done, you wait. Um, yeah. But I was speaking to James Aquilon. He's done a few Kickstarter projects, and he said he's had to make have so many lessons along the way about his strategy. He's had to, like, he used to sell posters, but then internationally selling posters and posting them was a nightmare and there are different taxes involved. And there's yeah. so much strategy to everything you do on a project like this. Yeah, I, I did posters as well. And it was like, wait, I'm sending... I'm sending two packages to the UK. <laughs> one of them is a tube. One of them is a, is a, you know, a flat mailer. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> this was a bad idea. It's yeah. so expensive. He came to the same conclusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. on a side tangent, the US postal system, your costs of sending things to the UK are ridiculous. <laughs> I could send something three times from the UK to the US for the amount of money it costs to send one thing the other way. Just as a side note. Yeah, it's absolute madness. And and I mean, I don't understand the intricacies of the postal system. And thank God I use a really good service for it, an online service called Pirate Ship. Highly recommend to all of your listeners. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really something else. It's re international shipping is, is really something else as, as the United States. And like, and as bad as the UK is like, Oh, oh boy, is Australia tough. Oh, I can't <laughs> like, even begin to imagine. I'm, I'm very thankful for all of the readers I have in Australia, but Oh boy, <laughs> I've had stuff, you know, get, uh, I don't know how far it got, but it was, it was out for a long time and then came back and I was like, Oh my, Oh man. Like I have to contact this person. It's been months. I told them I sent them it. It was like, oof. Yeah. And for, you know, and for little things to do with customs and, and things like that, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. But it just shows that so. you're doing this out of love. You're not doing it because you can see the dollar signs rolling around your mind. This is something that you really love doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something that I will challenge myself to, um, you know, do the, do the conventions and, and have people, you know, walk by me when I say hello to them, cause I'm trying to get their attention, you know, and, and have people say, no, I don't, you know, you can't be on the, or, you know, not respond when I uh, email them about being on a podcast and, and all the, the difficult things that I have about kind of being socially not as adept as other people and, and reaching out to people and, and, you know, and putting up all the money and, and all the anxiety of, of doing a Kickstarter and just everything that has to do with it. I'm, I'm, I'm so willing a hundred percent to do it time and again you know twice a year for because and and you know hopefully getting to the point where i can do it more you know uh three or four times a year like because i do i i love it i i love making comics um you know and i, I it's something that i am really excited to to do and to get better at where um you know it's uh and to tell different stories and, uh, and to tell, uh, and to, you know, uh, explore different genres. It's, it's just, it is endlessly fun to me. It is, it is so much about, um, you know, I was talking about how it, it was, I had this itch that I needed to scratch when, when I was coming out of college, it's, it's absolutely satisfying me in, in so many ways, you know, that I want to, that I, that I want to write. Brilliant. So for everyone listening, long story short, go to the show notes, <laughs> click on the Kickstarter link, send Gabe your money. Done. <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> I'm very excited about this Kickstarter that's going on right now, this mm. comic. As I said, it's um, Mad Max meets Futurama. It's um, about a... Uh, I can... I haven't memorized the tagline exactly, but it's uh, about an impulsive alien smuggler named Liv who is stranded on Earth in a post-apocalyptic wasteland 
um, who has to rescue her uh, sarcastic robot named Pax from a gang of dangerous marauders. So it is a 13-page short story one-shot. Um, the art is done by an incredible artist in, uh, appropriately enough, for a Mad Max-referenced uh, comic book in Australia. Brilliant. Her name is Julia Pratt. And I am, it's the first time I'm working with her, and it has been an incredibly fun experience. Uh, her art is super-duper fun, and the colors are great and lively and bring so much character to to my ideas and my and my words and i am very very excited to to get it out there and to have people read it yeah it looks amazing i can't wait for it to come out it's um and it does show the bits of you you can see all the bits of you inside of it yeah thank you i mean it's it's very much like um the the main character live is very much, uh, the, the impulsive and the impatient side of me. Um, the person that, uh, you know, has learned over time not to leap before you look. Um, but still like that is her, that is her main character flaw. Um, and then having, and, and it deals with kind of my own fear of that, having of that backfiring in a terrible way. You know, you, you make a decision impulsively and then the worst, possible thing that could happen happens and and that's kind of lives uh that's how she ends up on earth she um she's trying to take a shortcut and then crash lands <laughs> which is why it's called that uh and so you know that impulsiveness is um yeah it's 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 part of me as you're saying and it's and it's part of uh part of my fears my fears of jumping into something head first and then hitting the bottom of the pool and, you know, crushing my skull. Um, and, uh, uh, and it deals with that in a funny way and in a science fiction way, which I, which, uh, as we've been talking about with Futurama is something I'm, I'm very passionate about. Hmm. Yeah. I can't wait for it to come out. It looks amazing. So as I say, show notes, people, Kickstarter. Yeah. Gabechancomics.com. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just in the time we've got left, I thought it'd be nice to sort of get a bit of a, a look more at you, um, for people to know what, what they're going to expect from you. What do you, do you remember sort of your first experience with geek culture? Do you remember the first thing that kind of tweaked that part of your mind? Yeah. And, um, you know, this was in the age before the internet, so I didn't, necessarily understand that these things were were geeky culture but there's two things that come to mind for me specifically and i don't remember which one happened first um one of them i i do always talk about because people ask me you know what was my initial first experience with comics and it was the batman returns video game oh yeah that was my first uh, introduction to to batman um and it was something that really he is a character was something that really really intrigued me um and the the aesthetic of it and the the adventure of it and the music of it and then that led into um watching the movies uh reading some of the comic books but then really 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 getting uh, falling in love with batman the animated series um which is uh just a, a groundbreaking animated show uh for so many reasons um and yeah, so that was my, my kind of first entry into geek culture, but something that I don't honestly don't bring up a lot. Um, and you know, the reason why I mentioned the, um, the not quite knowing it was a geeky thing, but it, it was, uh, probably like the first time I saw Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the quest for the Holy Grail, where it's like, wow, this is like, this is, this is the funniest thing I've ever ever seen in my in my entire life which was you know not very long at that time i probably saw it when i was like 12 or 13 um but um you know having that specific type of humor and that um you know casting this parody over so many things uh not just movies but history and and religion and uh and musicals and and all of, and it, it was uh 
you know, it was amazing. It was, it was amazing, uh, revelation to me at the time watching that movie and you know the reason why i think about it as being part of geek culture specifically the way that you asked the question it's like i think in the age before the internet there was um a sort of initiation into geek culture mm. um of sorts where it's like you go back to school as a middle school and you're like have you heard of this monty python <laughs> thing and there's like yeah i have like i have you have you listened to um you know uh have you, you know, have you heard the the pet shop sketch? Have you heard Crunchy Frog? You know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Like, and there's a shared language to it. And there's kind of a, a little community you get amongst your friends. Um, and you're share at that point time, it was, we were sharing CDs with each other, like of, um, uh, I was want to say, never mind the box. It's like, it's not that it's, uh, and now for something completely different, um, you know, it's like, that that community, that culture, I would say, was probably what I can remember as being the first time I experienced like geek culture, um, because it was I felt like I was part of a community. Whereas a lot of other things that I I did um, when I was younger, around the time, even you know, with the Batman stuff, it was usually just me, my own self, experiencing it, um, or with my brother. Um, so so yeah, I think that those those are the two things that that I could think of. <laughs> I've never, I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it was the video game that did it for them. And also it's very unusual. Like obviously being British, Monty Python is just kind of, you know, who we are, but yeah, it is, it's even more obscure in America because also it is quite a British sense of humor. And a lot of Americans yeah. just don't get it. It's fair. It's interesting that you've kind of come at it from a, a slightly different angle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, definitely to follow up things to that is that uh, the 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 odd thing about me telling people that and me having the the entry point for comics and Batman being Batman Returns the video game is that I don't really play video games now. <laughs> um, I never really had great hand-eye coordination when it comes to video games or, you know, playing musical instruments or things like that. So I wasn't even really good at that game, <laughs> but the, like I said, the aesthetics of it, the, the story of it, the, uh, the music of it, the, 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 the design of the characters, the, the backstories of the characters were so intriguing to me. Um, that it really has hooked me for life as a, as a lifelong Batman fan to the point where I've, you know, read so many of the comics and 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 um uh, have seen all the movies and went and saw went and saw the most recent one in the theaters you know despite the the fear of covid um so uh but yeah that's that is it, it is an interesting entry point for a number of reasons and and yeah the thing with with monty python is i i i watched the i had the a dvd set of the whole series and i would say that like you know, 30% of it, I did not understand <laughs> because it was specific to British, uh, culture. Um, but yeah, it is something that has, has also, has, was also like Futurama, like we were talking about something that shaped my sense of humor, shaped my sensibilities at a formative age and is something that was, was re really spoke to me, um, and has always spoken to me, despite the fact that I don't quite understand everything about it, um, that, um, you know, that has shaped a lot of, uh, shaped a lot of what I do in my own creative endeavors. Mm. Cause I think that says some, a lot about you as a person, because you were playing a video game that you weren't necessarily particularly good at, but you could see the value in it. You could see all the interesting parts of it. And you were watching this comedy, which a lot of it you didn't necessarily understand, but you could see the value, the stories. Uh, for someone early teens to kind of stick with something that in a lot of ways wasn't entirely speaking to them, but you could see the value in it. You could see what was there that is very 
unusual and i don't mean to just keep calling you an unusual person but <laughs> i think it says i think it says something about the way that your brain works that you can see past the things that you don't necessarily click with yeah i think that that's 100% the case with the the batman thing where i didn't 100% click with video games to the point where like i said i i really don't play video games i played you know, Madden NFL football video games through about college, but haven't picked up any since then. Um, but seeing past that, um, yeah, there was just something about Batman that, that always appealed to me. And it's, and it's one of those things where it's not like, um, it, it's something where, you know, you, you discover something, but you feel like you've already known it and it's filling a need that you didn't know that you that you had until suddenly it was being satisfied. And it's like, wow, like this thing is really like, this is for me, you know? Um, and that, that is what it is for me with Batman. Um, to the point where I'm in a, uh, I'm in a, uh, comic book club, like book club, but for comic books where we get together and we read a, a comic and then once a month and talk about it and we just did a batman one and i'm the the kind of resident batman defender so i'm saying things like you know this this book that we just read there's these things that i don't like about it that i rattled off but like i'll i'll take it <laughs> these <laughs> like these things that i don't like about batman that irritate me when people do with batman comics like you know what i still like it even though i don't like it there's things that i i like about it you know um, and I felt the same way about the Batman, the Matt Reeves film, where I was like, this part was dumb. This part was dumb. This part was done. I loved the movie. It, <laughs> it was, I, I wouldn't change a thing about it. Where I was like, but there is a part where a bomb explodes in Batman's face. <laughs> He's right up against it, takes no damage for it, knocks him out. Doesn't seem to have any permanent damage from it. That is just flat out ridiculous <laughs> on its face. Um, but you know what? I love it. And I will watch the movie again and again, even though that scene is in there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is something that absolutely speaks to me and, um, uh, and yeah, I, 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 I've seen so many in, incarnations of it, you know, going kind of back to what you're saying about the video games where it's like, you know, this one isn't particularly for me. This isn't my favorite version of Batman, but you know, I can wait, wait a, a week, wait, seems like five minutes. And then another version mm. of Batman is going to come out. Some other writer is going to take a stab at it. Um, some other uh, animated show is going to come out. Well, I mean, some of them are getting canceled at Warner Brothers at the moment, but like there's going to be another one coming out. There's going to be more stuff coming out. And then there's going to be things that I can dig into the past and find that maybe came out in the 80s or 70s or whatever. There's always something to find out about it, uh, to find new that you love about it. And, and um, you know, so I don't, uh, so even the, so I, I don't like, I don't, dwell on the things that I don't like about it. And I don't, I don't hate on people that do like those things that I don't like about it. And, and, um, and yeah, and then you can always, of course, go back to the things that you, the storylines that you do love, whether it's, um, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne murder, which is one of my favorites and, uh, the, the no man's land storyline or the court of Owls storyline with Scott Snyder or, you know, all of those things in the comics that it, it's just, it is, uh, you know, that's, that's to me what fandom is. It's just, it's just loving the things that you love. And if people, other people don't love it, fine. Um, but, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be fun. You know, what do you think was it about Batman in particular that has kind of hooked you for so long from that original step, even to now, even through the bits that, as you say, you know, you can see the flaws in them, but, you're also looking past that. What do you think it, is it about Batman that has kind of put him slightly higher than others, maybe? Uh, there's a lot of things, but I think that, I think initially it was about that he was human, that he didn't have superpowers, that he had a really cool costume and um, was kind of surviving by his wits and his strengths and his um, ability to outmatch and outlast and outthink and um, outpunch, you know? Um, that, I think, is very, very cool. And I think that that is, you know, 
that is also one of the things that I don't necessarily like about Batman comics because that that can get get abused in the whole Bat God thing where you know there's he gets sh- shot through the stomach or stabbed in the heart and then in the next issue he's just limping like he's fine you know um, uh, that that those are kind of problematic but you know even still like I said I still love those things about it I but there's something about him being human there's something about him striving to um, to undo something that can't be undone with the death of his parents. Um, there's something that, you know, there's something in the guilt about it of feeling like you were responsible, feeling like you don't want that to happen to anybody else. And then the anger that comes out of that and the rage and the, the way that that can be, um, you know, a weapon that he uses in his arsenal, but something that can also get out of hand and take control of him to the point where what he's doing is wrong and, and no longer justified. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that that is an incredibly human feeling, an incredibly human story and something, uh, you know, it's, it's about always striving to, to get ahead of the next crime, to stop the next thing from happening to somebody who, who is, is innocent, an innocent bystander. Um, and there's something I think that's really cool about that as a concept in the comics where, you know, you, we think of ourselves as constantly striving to be better, you know, constantly, um, trying to get stronger physically or, or faster or, you know, um, better at our jobs, better at our relationships, you know, uh, whatever it is, constantly striving to get better. And that's kind of what Batman represents the peak of human achievement, but he's also striving to get better. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that's the main thing, but you know, I could go on and on about how the bat family really, I think is an interesting exercise as well, where, you know, a lot, there's a lot of great stories about why Batman needs a Robin to pull him back, uh, from the brink and why, and, uh, stories about collaboration and family and friendship and love and loyalty that, that come out of his relationships with the Bat family. And, and, um, you know, the, the killing joke is all about revenge and, um, and, and loyalty as well with, uh, with Barbara, uh, getting paralyzed and, and, all the stories with, you know, the schisms between him and Nightwing and him and Red Hood. It's, uh, it, th- those relationships are, are so interesting to me. Um, and then, and then, you know, I'll add in here because I'm a huge fan of the DC Harley Quinn TV show that all of these things that I take very, very seriously about Batman, they are ripe for parody. <laughs> um, where it's like as serious and as cool and dark and brooding as it is, it is also like there was a great episode recently where uh, Selena Kyle breaks up with Batman and he's like in his sweatpants and in the Batcave and he's writing a song on an acoustic guitar <laughs> and he's got like five o'clock shadow and uh, it's like because he's just brooding and depressed and he can't get still can't get over the death of his parents and it's a uh, like and he's so needy too because he you know he. <laughs> Cause he again, can't get over the death of his parents. Um, so all of these things and not just with, with Batman, but in the, in the whole Batman, you know, his rogues gallery and then the bat family, it's just so ripe for parody, um, that, that it, it's so great that, that somebody has finally come along and, and struck that bell and, and is, is exploiting that. And, and, you know, you know, like I said, it's like, um, as much as I love the the taking it too seriously, the dark and brooding, the gritty, the the Dark Knight, the Batman, you know, the Matt Reeves Batman movie, the the absolute dead serious stuff. Um, I love the the Adam West White Knight stuff. You know, the mm. sometimes sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb, <laughs> uh, and uh, and and the the hard hard parody of it in um, in Harley Quinn, and it's it's and everything in between. It's it's just so it's just so fun. Um, but because I mean, and because even in the parody, because it's done with reverence, it is like an understanding of the character as, um, striving for excellence as, uh, as strength and loyalty. Um, you know, 
but in in the ways that are like you know dude like you could you could cool down for a couple of minutes on this like you don't have to be like this all the time like that 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 angle on it which is which is just really really great so is that kind of the secret then yeah. that you look at all the people that on social media are just going crazy over everything and we talked a bit about some of the issues of social media and you expect everyone to be angry because it looks like everyone is 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 the secret just to accept the good the bad the flaws and know that it is there you can make fun of it if you want but also the good stuff is there yeah i think that you know, I, I think that it's it's natural to be disappointed because we put movies and now, um, you know, uh, big budget streaming TV on such a high pedestal where if I have been feel like I've been waiting my whole life for a Sandman TV show and it comes out and it is terrible, I will be very disappointed. And thank God it wasn't. Mm. It was excellent. Um, but if I had been waiting my whole life for that to come out and that was probably going to be the only shot um, that Neil Gaiman was going to get at making a Sandman TV show, um, then I would be devastated and I would be upset if it wasn't. But, you know, that for me personally, so uh, what I'm saying is I understand and I empathize, but for me personally, yeah, it's like, well, the comics still exist and I can still go back and read those and that's the reason why I fell in love with it. So, yeah, it's disappointing that that this didn't happen and and that, or that it didn't happen in the way that I wanted it to. But the things that I love about it still exist in its form. And, and then, you know, maybe there will be another shot at it mm. um, with certain things. It's unlikely. I mean, like I know that why, why the last man got canceled. Uh, I don't know what's happening with DMZ. Um, and there's, you know, a million comic book projects like that, where it's like people were waiting for things for these things to be happening. And then suddenly they're out and then maybe they don't hit the way that they're supposed to do or, um, and oh, another, I didn't read those last two, uh, examples, but one thing that I really fell in love with, um, but the, the television adaptation wasn't quite what I wanted was lock and key. Oh yeah. Where it's like, I loved lock and key. The books I, I was so haunted by it. I mean, they're, they're suspenseful and sad and, and triumphant and, and beautiful in so many ways. And then it gets turned into a young adult TV show essentially. And, it's, I'm not the, I, I'm not the biggest fan of young adult fiction and, and television. So I was a little disappointed, but at the same time, it's like, all right, I'll just go back and read the comics. <laughs> <laughs> like it's fine. And, and people can enjoy what it turned into. Um, and, and I'm very happy for them. It's, uh, but you know, it's just not something that, that I'm going to watch. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all about, uh, accepting, the things that you get um, because, you know, I always, I always like to think about in, you know, to put into the, the framework of sports, like there are Boston Red Sox fans that went their entire lives without seeing a world series in Boston or, you know, the Red Sox winning world series. Um, and, you know, we, and in our lifetime, we have gotten uh, <laughs> Batman begins the Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, The Batman, and then that, and then you know, in our lifetime, still was when all the Burton and the Schumacher Batmans came out. Like, like just be, you know, just be happy for it that you got it, you know. And if you don't like it, then then it's yeah, it's disappointing, but but just get over it. I mean, and don't 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 get mad about it. Just you know, just go back and read the comics. Hmm. So for people who are looking to get into new things, looking to looking at your Kickstarter in the show notes people um uncertain if they should give it a try what would you say for that person who's in the past been able to look past the things that you don't understand but see the value in it what message would you give to people to give these new things a try that they may not be sure about um well if you're a science fiction fan um i feel like you'll like it um it is what I consider, you know, what I considered a, 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 a benchmark for science fiction is, is it, it is, it exists in a world that, that doesn't currently exist. Um, but it is about things that are relatable to what's going on in our lives. Um, you know, as, as readers, you know, 
aliens and Mad Max and all that stuff. That's not the reality that we live in, but it is a, it is a story about a, a character that leaps before she looks and then deals with the consequences of it. So it is a, it is a relatable human story. Um, it is, uh, it is a story about, um, friendship because she has to enlist the help of a, of a young marauder named Chara. Um, it is a story and she is also, you know, trying to get back her, her best friend who is a robot, a sarcastic robot named Pax. Um, so it's, it's a friendship. It's a story about self-discovery where she is completely confident in the, in who she is. Um, but that has not yielded a lot of great results for her. Like I said, the, the book starts on page one with her, thinking that she is going to be able to take a shortcut and get to where she needs to go in her flying saucer um, faster than than she had planned, but ends up T-boning a planet and crash landing on Earth. Um, so uh, it is a story about self-discovery in that way. Um, it is an adventure story where, you know, I hope that uh, just the, 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 the pitch of me saying Futurama meets Mad Max um, and the flying saucers and things like that, like that fills you with, uh, with fun images of adventure that I hope to, that I think Julia has done a great job rendering of, you know, a, a, a flying saucer going head to head against a, you know, Mad Max Fury Road style caravan of marauders. Um, so if you're interested in that, that's in there. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a story about, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a story about friendship. It's a story that's very personal to me, where it is about me um, uh, dealing, uh, you know, talking about addressing my fears of of being too impulsive, or like I said, looking before I leap, and and then dealing with the consequences of that. It is a story that I wrote about um, feeling stuck because I wrote it during the the pandemic um, about feeling like. Uh, you're never going to get out of a place where you're, you're where you are, no matter how hard you try. Um, and that was something that I was dealing with at the time, um, because of the lockdown and also because I was looking for a new job. Uh, so it's, it's a very personal story to me. Um, and then just the last thing that I'll mention is that, uh, and probably the most important thing is that Julia Pratt is an incredible artist and I am so lucky to have, uh, found her. I posted on on a freelancer website, and I have been so incredibly happy with her art. I'm so proud of what we are creating together, and she is an awesome, excellent collaborator. She has she brings so much to the table as far as ideas and um and uh and and different takes and different perspectives on what I wrote, and the the characters are being rendered absolutely beautifully and their expressions are great, which is one of the number one things that is most important to me because in a short story, if you're not like getting, falling in love with the characters and understanding their emotions from their expressions, then, then it becomes very difficult to tell the story and she's just absolutely nailing it. And, um, and so, uh, if for nothing else, uh, please check out the Kickstarter just because of Julia Pratt's art. It's it is really really fun and really really incredible and um, and and that's why I think people uh, people should check it out. Gabe's newest comic, Crashlands, is on Kickstarter through to October twentieth. He just reached his target the morning this releases, so a big congratulations to him. Make sure to head over and have a look. He started releasing some stretch goals and a few extra snippets of content. So make sure you don't miss out. If you'd like to find any of his other work, head to his website, gabechencomics.com. You can also find Gabe on social media at gabechencomics. And remember to find and subscribe to his podcast, Another Lousy Millennium, ready for when Futurama returns. All links available in the show notes. As always, thank you for listening. You can contact the show at Era of Geek on social media or head to superdummy.co.uk slash geek. If you like the show, please do leave a review and tell your friends. You can also leave a review on podchaser.com.
those those feelings that you've been talking about a lot of people will be feeling over the last couple of years i think a lot of people will relate to how you were feeling when you wrote the book yeah and to you know to give a little bit more information about it and and people can see this on the on the kickstarter um uh right now is that um so live she, like I said, she crashes her, her saucer. She can't get off the planet. She can't escape the gravity. Well, so she needs to call tow. And so she is using her, her, um, essentially her, her kind of iPad tablet kind of handset device communication device. And is just having to manually, uh, ping call out for a tow call out for, uh, for roadside assistance manually, constantly just, hitting a button over and over and over again and just waiting for somebody to hear it and come help her. And it, and she is frustrated by it. And, you know, like I said, I wrote this at a time when I was looking for a job and that's exactly what it feels like where you're just like sent resume, sent resume, sent resume, sent resume, sent. And it's just like, uh, waiting for something to happen. And just, you just need one person to come back and help you. Um, but until that person is just, send 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 in the comics it's ping 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 like you like she's she's doing that so it is um you know it is a relatable i hope uh kind of angle on the story um that i hope will will find uh that other readers will find relatable because it was very personal to me it's it's exactly how i was feeling at the time that i wrote it yeah Yeah, i'm getting flashbacks times i felt like that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not a pleasant experience for anyone (laughs) applying to jobs no definitely not 